We've had an, an incredible time here in, in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, and the community, everyone has opened up their doors to WWE. The wedding hall, which was to have been a scene of joyous celebration, was turned into a death trap. This video, which Al Jazeera cannot independently verify, shows the aftermath of the airstrikes believed to have been carried out by the Saudi-led coalition. We begin with the ugly reality of the brutal war in Yemen. Innocent children climbed aboard a school bus like all children around the world, but these children were suddenly hit by a Saudi-led coalition airstrike. On Tuesday, Jamal Khashoggi walked into this Saudi consulate in Istanbul to collect proof of his divorce so he could remarry. He hasn't been seen since. Fourth quarter and full year 2018 guidance that I just referenced were predicated on the staging of an event in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia on November 2nd. As referenced in our earnings release, this was a difficult decision. Moving forward with Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia was um, an incredibly tough decision given the heinous acts. But, you know, it is at the end of the day, it is a business decision. After the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the CIA is expected to wrap up its official report on his murder this week. The agency has concluded Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman ordered the journalist killing last month. Good morning, everyone. Uh, for the year, we achieved record revenue. And, uh, and profit as well, demonstrating we continue to effectively execute our strategy. In other words, we know what we're doing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. It is Sunday, June 2nd. I'm Brandon Thurston, and I am broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York. And we last spoke about one month ago when we were joined by Chris Harrington to talk about the WBQ1 earnings report. That a lot has happened since then in the wrestling industry. But today, since it is June, and on June 7th, there will be WWE's third event in Saudi Arabia as part of its 10-year deal with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We're going to go in-depth today and explain what the big deal is about WWE in Saudi Arabia. Why does everybody make a big deal about this? As everyone knows, WWE does events all over the world. Why are the events that are in Saudi Arabia such a big deal? There are three main points that you need to keep in mind to understand what makes these events in Saudi Arabia so much different from all the other events that WWE runs throughout its calendar year. Uh, first of all, that these events are not just events that WWE has chosen to, to put on because they think they can run a big show in, uh, in, in Riyadh or in Jeddah. But these are events that are part of a 10-year agreement that is part of the Saudi Arabian government that is the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia's Vision 2030 plan. So Vision 2030 is an economic and public relations campaign from the government to enhance its image around the world. Okay, so this is the government paying WWE to come in. And why does Saudi Arabia need to enhance its image around the world? Because there's evidence that the Saudi Arabian government is responsible for a number of ongoing human rights violations, which we will get into, which include but are not limited to its treatment of women, its treatment of LGBTQ people, the war in Yemen and the related humanitarian crisis, and so on. So the government is paying WWE to come in here and do shows to enhance their image. And it turns out it's really big money. You might think of the money that they're getting paid as, as being kind of a controversy fee. The money WWE is receiving for these shows, to put this in some context, put it in some frame of reference, is bigger than the entire ticket sales of the biggest WrestleMania of all time. The live gate for the biggest WrestleMania of all time, WrestleMania 32, was $17.3 million. I estimate that WWE received about $50 million for the Greatest Royal Rumble in April 2018, about $25 million 
for Crown Jewel in November 2018. So this is huge money. If that's $75 million, that's about 8% of the company's total revenue for 2018. So again, government purchased shows to enhance the image of, of the government. Government is committing numerous human rights violations. And the government is paying WB big, big money to come in here and do the shows and be part of that program. So those are the big points to keep in mind here. So I'm going to go through a timeline here of W's relationship with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I've got numerous audio clips set up here. And so we're going to start all the way back in 2014 with our on-site correspondent, John Cena. WWE Universe, welcome to Saudi Arabia! The WWE have traveled for the first time ever to the capital city of Saudi Arabia, Riyadh. Finally, WWE has a right and gay the WWE Universe in Saudi Arabia has been waiting for a very long time. I don't believe they came to our country. I wait all my life for this moment. I am so excited. People are so excited they can't really believe it that we're here. The energy during the events has been fantastic. Everyone is truly proud that we've visited their city. Well, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience and I couldn't afford to miss it for anything. A WWE coming to Saudi Arabia is a dream come true for me. Everybody is just so friendly and everybody's really let me in to their culture and I've been so appreciative of that. It's really exciting because WWE is really a global phenomenon. Thanks for coming and we hope that you keep, keep coming again and again every year. So WWE ran its first ever shows in Saudi Arabia in 2014 in April 2014, three straight nights in Riyadh, then came back a year and a half later and ran three straight nights in Jeddah in October 2015. Then in November 2016, about a year later, they ran two consecutive nights in Riyadh. And this is where Mojo Raleigh, who's actually of Saudi Arabian descent, speaks Arabic to the crowd after his match. About seven months later, in June 2017, Mohammed bin Salman rose to power in Saudi Arabia, being appointed crown prince. CBS News reported on the story at the time. Well, a royal shakeup in Saudi Arabia. King Salman has promoted his 31-year-old son to become crown prince of the kingdom. Mohammed bin Salman was appointed on Wednesday, replacing the king's nephew, Mohammed bin Nayef, who was also the kingdom's counterterrorism chief, in addition to being the crown prince, Salman will serve as deputy prime minister and defense minister. The shift is sure to impact relations with other countries in the Middle East and the U.S. Eric Polofsky was a special assistant to President Obama. He was the senior director for North Africa and Yemen for the National Security Council. He joins me now from Washington. Eric, what does this shift mean for U.S. relations? Well, uh, Rena, I think this is a big deal. You've been a Middle East correspondent. Um, this uh, shift is generational for Saudi Arabia. It's um, a change in the direction. Uh, his predecessor as Crown Prince was a very, uh, very uh, determined uh, counterterrorism expert, a very determined uh, but measured and cautious uh, steward of their uh, foreign policy, and this is not the way the new crown prince does business. He's very aggressive. 
He plays on offense. No such thing as prevent defense approach for him. For him. So I think we're going to see a very different uh, foreign policy coming out of Saudi Arabia. One of Crown Prince MBS's biggest programs is Vision 2030, the economic and public relations program mentioned earlier that Live events will become a part of. Here's this explanation from CNN Money about what is Vision 2030. A crash in oil prices exposed Saudi Arabia's addiction to oil. An economy cruising at prices over $100 a barrel was suddenly struck with crude oil trading at $30 and less. It left Saudi Arabia with a gaping budget hole and serious economic challenges. The answer? Vision 2030. It's an ambitious set of reforms led by the 32-year-old heir to the throne, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. There are the economic shifts, tax hikes, spending cuts and ending subsidies. And the business shakeups, such as the IPO of state oil giant Saudi Aramco. Then there's a huge investment project in military, education and infrastructure. One project includes building NEOM, $500 billion super city powered entirely by renewable energy. Saudi Arabia is also turning to tourism. It will create holiday resorts across its Red Sea coastline. Yet Vision 2030 has already run into problems. It's had to backpedal on a number of targets and it still faces revisions today. Anna Stewart, CNN Money, London. In November 2017, around the time of WWE's fall international tour, there were no events in Saudi Arabia that year, but there was a shakedown in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Riyadh after Crown Prince MBS ordered 200 wealthy businessmen and princes to be placed under arrest inside the hotel. This report at the time from BBC News. We drive in under police escort just past midnight. No one enters here now without official permission. The world's most talked about hotel. Riyadh's most palatial, most prestigious, now a gilded prison. I'm taken in by Saudi officials, told don't film faces, don't record conversations. We're being told that when people were brought here around midnight on November the 4th, they were understandably angry. Some of them thought this would just be a show and it wouldn't last. And then when they realized they were here to stay, they were furious. Almost everyone here... 95%, I was told, are willing to make a deal to give back what are said to be substantial sums of money in order to get out of here. The Crown Prince, 32 years old, is taking on fellow princes, senior ministers, some of the biggest billionaires, tackling corruption, concentrating power. Weeks on, many are still asking questions about why this purge happened here and now outside this gilded prison, it certainly has gone down well. Many Saudis welcome an end to the rampant corruption in the kingdom. But there are risks too. The ambitious crown prince risks creating enemies and uncertainty, which could endanger the very stability and reforms you know, his kingdom so badly needs. The crown prince hopes everyone will be checking out by the end of this year. The longer this ordeal drags on, the more questions will be asked here and abroad about what's going on inside. Lise Doucette, BBC News, the Ritz-Carlton, Riyadh. So again, we're in 2017. No WB events in Saudi Arabia during that year, but there was an event in the United Arab Emirates in 2017 in December. Uh, not the first time WB has been running shows on consecutive nights in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, since 2012. But on December 7th, 2017, in Abu Dhabi, 
Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss had WWE's first women's match in the UAE. Again, now the UAE is not Saudi Arabia. Uh, the UAE is a neighbor of Saudi Arabia in the Arabian Peninsula in the Middle East. We should note too that this is not the first time that women ever wrestled in Abu Dhabi. Uh, in 2010, uh, Angelina Love and Velvet Sky had a tag match with Madison Rain and Sarita on two consecutive nights. In fact, if you search cage match for all events that have ever happened uh, in the United Arab Emirates, you find a, a, an event from something called DWE, uh, Dubai Wrestling Entertainment, from 2013 that had a three-way dance between Blue Nikita, Bonnie, and Layla Rose. Nonetheless, this match between Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss in 2017 uh, would become an important talking point for WWE going forward. Of course, this is the famous moment where there is the This Is Hope chant I was, in the crowd. I was so nervous because you, know, you don't really know what to expect, you know? The first ever women's championship match in Abu Dhabi. We've never been there. We don't know how the crowd is, if they would accept us, if they would cheer for us or what. But then, like, I still get cold chills thinking about it when they were chanting, this is hope. Oh, that's incredible. And it was crazy. I know, it was awesome because it was that moment where just like, wow. And I remember saying to her, I was like, we're doing it. We're, this is awesome. Like, it really was, because before I went out, I didn't know what the perception would be for us. They've never seen women perform. And I walked out, and the first thing I saw to my right <laughs> was a little girl wearing a Sasha Banks shirt. A few months later, W comes out with a press release and announces its events are returning to Saudi Arabia. W announces that on April 27th, 2018, they will run the Greatest Royal Rumble event at the King Abdullah Sports City in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia invites the world to witness history. Seven championships will be defended, including a universal title match inside a steel cage. Plus, the, the press release read, this event is part of a 10-year strategic multi-platform partnership in support of Vision 2030, Saudi Arabia's social and economic reform program. The greatest Royal Rumble ever. We mentioned at the top, Saudi Arabia is involved in a number of human rights violations. One of those is around the war in Yemen, a neighboring country embroiled in a civil war. Saudi Arabia enforces a blockade that prevents humanitarian aid from reaching Yemen. Saudi Arabia launches airstrikes against the Houthi rebels in Yemen, who are backed by Saudi Arabia's political enemy, Iran. Which is something to keep in mind later when we talk about a particular angle that happens at the Greatest Royal Rumble. But four days before the Greatest Royal Rumble, there's a Saudi Arabian airstrike on a wedding in Yemen, reported on by Al Jazeera. The wedding hall, which was to have been the scene of joyous celebration, was turned into a death trap. This video, which Al Jazeera cannot independently verify, shows the aftermath of the airstrikes believed to have been carried out by the Saudi-led coalition. Local officials said the first missile detonated in the men's section of the wedding party... Moments later, a second one hit the side on which the females were gathered. This footage released by the Houthi rebels shows the horrific aftermath. A young boy screaming and crying next to what appears to be the lifeless body of his father. Dozens of people were treated in the nearby hospital. They have no mercy towards children. They've been killed without any remorse, says this man. A spokesman for the Saudi-led coalition says it will carry out a full investigation. The UN has said that of the estimated 10,000 Yemenis that have so far lost their lives in the conflict, some 60% have been killed in airstrikes. Mike Hanna, Al Jazeera, United Nations. 
At WWE Greatest Royal Rumble, unlike the event the previous December in Abu Dhabi, no women were allowed to participate in the event, which would air live on the WWE Network and was treated basically like a pay-per-view. Despite WWE's women's evolution movement, putting greater emphasis on women's wrestling. The day before the Greatest Royal Rumble, W posted this clip to its YouTube channel of Triple H making a media appearance where he said that Saudi Arabia was a misunderstood country. I, I have been to Saudi before and I've been to the Middle East quite a few times over the years. We've done 40 events or so um, in, in the past um, in this region. And, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed when I come here that the fan base is so deep and their love for WWE is, is so intense. Um, it's such a welcoming place. And to be honest, um, I think that it's misunderstood in a lot of the world. When you come here to Saudi, it is, it's just a wonderful place. And the people are so friendly here and they, they're, they're excited to see you, especially when it comes to WWE. They, um, we are like um, superheroes come to life and they can see you walking down the street in front of them. And it's, um, they, they, they kind of look in awe. It's, it's a wonderful feeling. And um, we, I, I know that the WWE superstars that are arriving today and tomorrow uh, to come here for this event are really looking forward to being here and, and uh, putting on a show for the fans here. Not only were women prohibited from participating in the Greatest Royal Rumble, but also Sami Zayn was not brought on the trip, apparently because of his Syrian heritage. During the Greatest Royal Rumble event itself, that aired live worldwide on the WWE Network, WWE commentators threw to a video that presented the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia as a progressive government and celebrated the leadership of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Folks, we've had an, an incredible time here in, in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, and the community, everyone has opened up their doors to WWE. I love my country so much, and I want people to come and actually see that. Assalamu alaikum. Everybody's welcome to come to Saudi Arabia. It's the dawning of a new age in Saudi Arabia. And the societal renaissance that is sweeping this desert nation has a great deal to do with 32-year-old Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. We have a leadership that is allowing a population to make its own decision within a context of being a global citizen, being the best individual you can be for yourself, for your family, for your nation, for the world. It's a vision, government that want to move forward in the best way possible, yet maintaining our culture and our heritage. We would like to really encourage young people to go out and participate in their health and well-being through the vehicle of sports. There is a huge impact with inviting these magnificent events. Entertainment is one of the main pillars for human Happiness. I have never been happier in Saudi Arabia than I am now. Honestly. Sorry, just uh, being heard by the leaders and having something done about it. That's very sentimental. A woman driving, it's a step taken very late, but thank God it's happening now. I'm very proud of our leadership. Saudis are not necessarily changing, but maybe we're being unveiled, and now we're confident enough to show our treasures and share with the rest of the world. 
Later in the night, brothers Arya and Sean Devari interrupted four Saudis who participated in a WWE tryout. The Devari brothers came out waving an Iranian flag, playing heels, playing off the political tensions between Iran and Saudi Arabia. are pathetic. You are nothing. You are a trainee. You're a wannabe. You're not real athletes. Real athletes like the Davari brothers come from the strongest nation in the world, Iran. The angle culminated with the Iranian Davari brothers being run off by the trainees. After the event, Sean Davari said on Twitter that he'd received death threats because of the angle. While no women were flown in for the show, during one moment while a video package played, Carmella and Sasha Banks were shown in their usual wrestling attire. Saudi Arabia's General Sports Authority apologized for what they called indecent images. At the time, Fox News picked up the story. Here's Shepard Smith. So Saudi government officials were pretty upset when a promotional ad featuring lady wrestlers filled a monitor in that stadium, causing men to cheer. In a statement, they called the women indecent and promised to continue efforts to prevent society from being harmed. Saudi Arabia. With the WBS Royal Rumble behind them, six days later, it was time for WB's Q1 earnings report. On the conference call... Benchmark company analyst Mike Hickey asked how WWE reconciled doing the event in Saudi Arabia with its women's evolution. WWE co-president Michelle Wilson That's takes the question. Curious, your sort of uh, perspective, I guess, post Saudi Arabia here, maybe your key takeaways, and I guess how you sort of balance on one hand, sort of leading the charge on uh, women's rights and women's revolution, and, and doing a business. Uh, in a region that is maybe not not so much leading the charge here in terms of uh, women's rights. Thank you. So I think I think everyone is familiar with the fact that uh, we obviously have been very vocal about um, our female performers and and obviously rebranding them to WWE superstars. Um, we feel really good about our continued commitment to to that front. Um, as as you know, and we know we, there are many countries around the world where we perform, where, you know, again, we're respectful of um, the cultures that are there, but we certainly hope to be um, part of the change moving forward. I think some of you know in advance of our event in Saudi Arabia, we had um, the first ever women's match in the Middle East in Abu Dhabi, and, you know, um, having heard the stories there is not there personally, but when you hear our two female performers, Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks, talk about that experience and looking into the audience and seeing uh, little boys and little girls and and the crowd actually chanting, this is hope, um, for us, we believe that over the long term that um, we will be part of the change that will happen in some of these places. But again, we have to be respectful of the cultures where we perform and we, we plan to do that. Um, so, again, over time, it's, it's a 10-year partnership, and, and as George mentioned, we have a significant fan base in the Middle East, not just men, but women as well, and, uh, you know, we're, we're proud and, and happy with how the event went, and we'll continue to um, treat those cultures respectfully while hoping to be part of some of the change that will be taking place. 
WWE was set to return to Saudi Arabia, this time to Riyadh in November. But in August, there is news of another Saudi airstrike in Yemen, this time on a school bus. This news clip comes from CNN. Welcome, everyone. We begin with the ugly reality of the brutal war in Yemen. Innocent children climbed aboard a school bus like all children around the world, but these children were suddenly hit by a Saudi-led coalition airstrike. It happened in the northern province of Sada, and we're going to show you really disturbing pictures of the aftermath. There's other video that is just too graphic to show. It was released by rebel-backed uh, TV station. Now, we can't independently verify the pictures, but they do speak for themselves. Here's our Nima Al-Bagha. Bloody children attempt to crawl to safety. Behind them, the bodies of their friends lie still and unmoving. In the middle of a busy marketplace, eyewitnesses say a missile hit a bus carrying school children in a direct strike. At the hospital, they're still counting the dead and the dying. This little boy is one of the lucky ones. Wearing his little blue backpack, he, like the other children on the bus, was on his way to summer school. Most of the casualties today were children. Many health authorities say under the age of 10. This is just the latest volley in the seemingly unending war in Yemen. A spokesman for the Saudi-led coalition told CNN the missile strike was aimed at a legitimate target. The uh, attack was against those elements, terrorist elements by the Houthi have launched a ballistic missile. Three years ago, the coalition led by Saudi Arabia launched an attack to return to power the elected government of Abdurrabbu Mansour al-Hadi after his overthrow by Iranian-backed Houthi rebel militias. Progress has been torturously slow and recent weeks has seen an intensifying of airstrikes. In Hodeida, a port town in Yemen's last remaining lifeline for supplies from the outside world. Missiles struck at the entrance to the last functioning hospital in the city. In spite of pleas from humanitarian organizations, the offensive on Hodeida continues. The US and UK provide much of the weaponry deployed by the Saudi-led coalition at a price. U.S. President Donald Trump returned from a trip in May last year to Saudi Arabia touting a $110 billion arms deal with the kingdom. Just over a year later in June, the U.S. and U.K. refused to allow the Security Council to even release a statement calling for a ceasefire in the Hodeida offensive. In the hospital, one child begins to scream. been a day filled with children's cries. A sound they say they've grown accustomed to here in Yemen. And most don't think that will change anytime soon. Despite civilian casualties and the deaths of children, Saudi Arabia's human rights offenses don't really become consistent mainstream news. That changes on October 2nd, following the disappearance of a Saudi dissident and journalist for the Washington Post who had a residence in the U.S., Jamal Khashoggi. 
On Tuesday, Jamal Khashoggi walked into this Saudi consulate in Istanbul to collect proof of his divorce so he could remarry. He hasn't been seen since. We are positive he is still inside and we are waiting with his fiancée, who is with us here. We are staging a sit-in here until he is released. Once an advisor to the Saudi royal family, Khashoggi fell out of favor as he became increasingly vocal in his criticism of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. I still see him as a reformer, but he is gathering all power within his hand. And it would be much better for him to allow a breathing space for critic, for uh, Saudi intellectuals, Saudi writers, Saudi media to debate uh, the most important needed transformation going in the country. Khashoggi left Saudi Arabia last year as the government began its recent crackdown on dissent, arresting clerics, intellectuals, activists and businessmen. In the absence of any reliable information, Khashoggi's website now declares he's been arrested. But Saudi authorities insist he left their consulate. What this incident shows most of all is the contradiction in the Saudi regime's claims that it is opening up, that it is liberalizing. We've seen a lot of talk, a lot of statements uh, from Saudi officials uh, heading in that direction. Uh, But when you look at the actions of the government, we see something very different. The Washington Post says it's very concerned about the whereabouts of one of its prominent commentators. In a statement, the newspaper said it would be unfair and outrageous if he's been detained for his work, and we hope that he's safe and we can hear from him soon. Um, Jamal, let me start with you. You've Talking to Al Jazeera in March, Khashoggi spoke of the changes in Saudi Arabia. It is an important transformation that requires all of us to contribute to it, to discuss it, and no one should be jailed. Those waiting for him outside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul would agree. Nastasia Tay, Al Jazeera. Jamal Khashoggi was a critic of the Saudi Arabian regime. He was a contributor to the Washington Post. He was living in self-imposed exile in the United States. On October 2nd, 2018, Khashoggi went to the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, to get documents related to a marriage he was planning with his fiance. Inside the consulate, he was confronted by Saudi agents who killed him. The disappearance and killing of Jamal Khashoggi became a widespread international news story. Relationships between the Saudi government and U.S. businesses came under increased scrutiny, including WWE's relationship with the kingdom. U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal from Connecticut, where WWE is headquartered, told WCBS Radio 880 that he hoped WWE would cancel its scheduled event on November 2nd in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, entitled Crown Jewel. Senator, there is a Connecticut connection here. Connecticut-based WWE World Wrestling Entertainment has a big event in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, the Crown Jewel, they call it, coming up on November 2nd, just a few weeks away. Should Connecticut-based WWE look at backing out of that event? All major private interests should review and relook their relationship with the Saudi kingdom in light of its continuing pattern of abuses, civil rights and civil liberties, contempt for the rule of law, and bombing in Yemen using United States military equipment and possible intelligence. And so the private interests should review, but so should the United States government. If there is more conclusive evidence that the Saudis may have been behind the disappearance or murder of Jamal Khashoggi, Would you lean on Connecticut-based WWE to back out of that 
crown jewel event in Riyadh? I would hope that WWE will recognize on its own a conscience and conviction if there is proof uh, that Saudi officials approved and ordered this kind of killing. And I would lean first on the United States government to do its duty so that it can lead private interests like WWE. And the first place to look is to the United States of America. That statement from Senator Blumenthal was on October 12th. While there was some dispute over whether or not the Saudi government was responsible for Jamal Khashoggi's killing. On October 15th, after talking to Saudi King Salman, the father of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, U.S. President Donald Trump suggested that maybe it was rogue killers who ended Khashoggi's life. I just spoke with the King of Saudi Arabia, who denies any knowledge of what took place with regard to, as he said, his Saudi Arabian citizen. I've asked, and he firmly denied that, I've asked Secretary of State Mike Pompeo to immediately get on a plane, go to Saudi Arabia, go to other places if necessary, which he probably will, but with regard to this, go to Turkey if necessary. The king told me that Turkey and Saudi Arabia are working hand in hand very closely on getting to the bottom of what happened. We are going to leave nothing uncovered. With that being said, the king firmly denied any knowledge of it. He didn't really know. Maybe, I, I don't want to get into his mind, but it sounded to me like maybe these could have been rogue killers. Who knows? We're going to try getting to the bottom of it very soon. But his was a flat denial. All I can do is report what he told me, and he told me in a very firm way that they had no knowledge of it. He said it very strongly. Later that night on HBO, Last Week with John Oliver covered the story of Jamal Khashoggi's apparent killing, with special attention to WWE's upcoming event, Crown Jewel. But MBS's PR push isn't just toward attracting businesses, it's also toward changing the world's perception of Saudi Arabia. To that end, he struck a 10-year deal with one of the most popular and most American franchises there is, World Wrestling Entertainment, or WWE. They held their first of many events there back in April, and audiences around the world were treated to wall-to-wall propaganda about the new Saudi Arabia, including a video showing women happily driving, men dancing, and tourist destination beauty shots, as well as constant excited compliments throughout the broadcast. For the first time, WWE bringing an event of this magnitude to Saudi Arabia. This vibrant, progressive city, our host tonight, it's all part, of course, of the Saudi Vision 2030. King Abdullah Sports City Stadium just got on its feet. That area has been reserved for the Saudi royal family, the House of Saudi. I want to send a genuine thank you to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. On the next day, October 16th, U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina went on Fox and & Friends and said the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman had tainted the country suggesting the crown prince ordered the killing of Khashoggi. Well, I know this. Nothing happens in Saudi Arabia without MBS knowing it. Who's MBS? He's the 33-year-old crown prince who mm-hmm. jumped over other people. He's the son of the existing king, and I think he's on a, on a bad track. I can never do business with Saudi Arabia again uh, until we get this behind us. Right. 
And what does that mean? That means I'm not going back to Saudi Arabia as long as this guy's in charge. So you're telling the crown prince has to leave? It's up to them, but I'm not going back. I've been their biggest defender on the floor of the United States Senate. This guy is a wrecking ball. He had this guy murdered in a consulate in Turkey, and to expect me to ignore it, I feel used and abused. I was on the floor every time defending Saudi Arabia because there's a good ally. There's a difference between a country and an individual. The MBS figure is, to me, toxic. He can never be a world leader on the world stage. So what does the president do? Sanctions? It's up to the president. But what I would do, I know what I'm going to do. We're going to sanction the hell out of Saudi Arabia. You know, we deal with bad people all the time, but this is in our face. I feel personally offended. They have nothing but contempt for us. Why would you put a guy like me and the president in this box right. after all the president has done? This guy's got to go. Saudi Arabia, if you're listening, there are a lot of good people you can choose, but MBS has tainted your country and tainted himself. TMZ tracked down Randy Orton at the airport, who said that W shouldn't cancel the show, should go on with it and be part of the change. Saudi Arabia coming up. Yeah. How do you feel? I, I, I think we should go. I think the only way to help with change over there is to go and not to cancel the trip. Uh, our girls performed in Abu Dhabi not too long ago. Yeah. And I think we'll be there eventually with Saudi uh, in the crown jewel. You know, that, that's the goal is to make things better everywhere. And I think us not going, it doesn't help. Going helps. But do you feel at some point the girls will be able to fight over in Saudi Arabia? Uh, 100%. WWE's top stars John Cena and Daniel Bryan ended up refusing to work the Crown Jewel event. Meanwhile, JBL appeared on Fox Business, defending WWE and saying the show should go on. WWE wrestling people, they're getting ready to hold another big event in Saudi Arabia. And this is a big one coming up next month, November 2nd. Many of the stars have told Sports Illustrated that they feel uneasy about it following the disappearance of the columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Right, um, John is with us. He's a former WWE wrestling champion. You wouldn't know it now, but there, a champ. <laughs> it's going to take place, though, isn't it? Uh, from what I understand, yes. The idea is that uh, the WWE is going to go there. Right now, the official line is that they're monitoring the situation. My personal opinion is that they should go. I think the only way you promote change, look at what we did with Cuba. You isolate a country. All you do is impoverish that country. You want to promote change. WWE went to Abu Dhabi. They had the first women's match that had ever happened in the Middle East. The crowd was chanting in English, this is change. And for these senators to come out and bash the WWE on this, I've spent seven Christmases in Iraq and Afghanistan with the WWE. I was with the WWE the first group to go down and visit the Twin Towers while they were still burning and bodies were pulling out. We were the first group on 9-13 to have a mass gathering at, right after 9-11. People didn't know what was going to happen. For these guys to hide behind their patriotism and their, their, their show uh, flag waving to me, I think, is to try to improve their abysmal approval ratings to me is wrong. WWE has been at the forefront of change, and you want to change Saudi Arabia, you send something like WWE there. Well, I'm glad he was on the show. Yeah. All right, like, so thank you very much indeed. Fifteen of the 19 hijackers involved in the 9-11 terrorist attacks were Saudi citizens. On the special episode of SmackDown two days after 9-11, JBL said that, although he's likely referring to Afghanistan, that whatever country was responsible for hiding the terrorists would be turned into a parking lot by the United States. Many of the 9-11 hijackers were inspired by Wahhabism, an ultra-conservative form of Islam that has been promoted by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. You guys who are out there, we're going to find your ass. We're going to make whatever country's hiding you into a stinking parking lot. God bless this country. God bless this great state I live in. And God rest the sorry son of a bitch that did this. We will find you. With pressure increasing and speculation abound about whether W would cancel the Crown Jewel event, on October 25th, WWE held its Q3 earnings report and conference call, in which they confirmed that the Saudi Arabia event would go on as scheduled on November 2nd. 
The company also announced record-breaking profit projections that in part depended on the Saudi Arabia event going on as scheduled, as W co-president George Berrios explained on the conference call here. Our projected fourth quarter financial performance would result in full year 2018 adjusted OIBDA of $160 million to $170 million, which would be an all-time record consistent with our previous guidance. Fourth quarter and full year 2018 guidance that I just referenced were predicated on the staging of an event in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia on November 2nd. As referenced in our earnings release, this was a difficult decision. Looking ahead, we are currently developing our operating and financial plans for 2019 and subsequent years. Investment analysts on the conference call asked W executives some questions about the Saudi Arabia event. Barrios and WCEO Vince McMahon were very responsive to the questions. One at this time, and we'll first hear from Brandon Ross of BTIG. Hi, thanks for taking the questions. Um, first, for Vince, Saudi Arabia has obviously become financially an important market for you over the long term. How do you think about the puts and takes of that relationship? And maybe if you could take us through your thought process in deciding to keep the event on. And uh, then I have a follow-up. Thanks. Yeah, we're not going to uh, talk a lot about that. It's a very sensitive subject these days, naturally. Uh, and I think our statement pretty much said all we want to say about that today. Jason Bassanet of City. Uh, respecting you guys don't want to talk about Saudi Arabia, um, maybe I can ask this question. Can you just frame for us what, what risks, if any, relate to Saudi Arabia that are outside your control? In other words, is it, is it the risk of, of, of federal sanctions, of economic sanctions of some sort that you sort of get swept up into, or is there some other way to frame the risk, or maybe there's no risk? I think just think the complexity of the situation has been said. Uh, we... All our thoughts were encapsulated in the, in the statement we made. Are there analogs that you can point to where there have been sort of economic sanctions imposed on a country that have swept up like a media company like yourself? No. Okay. Thank you. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question or make a comment. The next day, Ronda Rousey was interviewed by TMZ, where she said that despite not being able to perform on the show, Crown Jewel should go on. Speaking of historic pay-per-view events, I just have to ask about uh, Saudi Arabia right now. Um, there's a lot of conflict about whether or not this event should even go on as far as the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Many are saying the government is behind covering it up. Should this event be going forward on November 2nd, in your opinion? Well, I'm um, I'm a two-time Olympian, so I'm, I'm an idealist when it comes to, to sport. And uh, one of my favorite memories from the 2004 Olympics was I was uh, I was in the gym and I was on the treadmill and I was cutting weight and I was running and right next to me was um, a boxer from Iraq and he was running next to me and it was the beginning of the Iraq war and nowhere else in the world would some man from Iraq and a little girl from Venice Beach be you know respecting each other and sharing space and um, I think that sports is where we really find that that common ground with each other and I. I think that pulling out of the crown jewel would be the, the wrong move because I think that um, this is an opportunity to be able to, to share our cultures and to define what, what we have in common. And, and in times, especially when, you know, times of adversity between two countries, that's, that's the absolute wrong time to be able to pull away. I think that's the, the time for 
us to be able to, to find what we have in common and be able to, to understand each other more, you know? And um, it seems almost frivolous, you know, like a, like a WWE event and like these huge world issues. But um, in a world where we're always trying to look at it as us and them, I think those big events like the Crown Jewel that bring everyone together just makes us realize it's it's, a, it's an us all all around. You know, it's not like like they're aliens and we're aliens over no, there. And, it, and I think that um, having these events and sharing our culture in Saudi Arabia is um, is the first step for us to really be able to, to understand each other and find that common ground. But if we have WWE become big in Saudi Arabia and WWE is a company that is. You know, having all women's pay-per-views. I mean, you have a, if you have a WWE network, you can be able to see, you know, you can see Evolution and you can see Crown Jewel, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so if you're going to buy the all-men's pay-per-view, you're going to have access to all-women's pay-per-view. And so it's just exposing people to all the different things that our culture has to offer. And I think that, like, that, those are just baby steps of how you get people to start, you know, demanding those kinds of things. That they'll be like, yeah, well, the women can't compete in Saudi Arabia right now. But I think that the crown jewel is a huge success and that WWE really takes off in Saudi Arabia, that they are going to be demanding to see the women soon. And maybe that can be the, the, the foot in the door to allow other things exactly. to happen. Yeah, no. Exactly. I think sports and sports entertainment is just that... That, that foot in the door, that common ground between you and another person. I mean, if I was lost anywhere in the world and I walked yeah. up to somebody and I said, Muhammad Ali, they would go, Muhammad Ali! And I, I would have made a friend, you know? We have that common ground. And so I think, you know, I I would love for um, us to just find more common ground with each other and, you know... I know it's a touchy subject, but it, I appreciate you speaking on it. It's a touchy subject, it. it really is. My sister is a journalist. Like, it really, it really is, but... Um, that all women's pay-per-view she's referring to is W Evolution that will be happening two days later on October 28th in Uniondale, New York. The day before that event, WWE's chief brand officer, Stephanie McMahon, spoke to Sky News about Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel is officially happening in Saudi Arabia. Just how tough a decision was that for WWE? Uh, moving forward with Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia was um, an incredibly tough decision given the heinous acts. Um, but, you know, it is, at the end of the day, it is a business decision. And like a lot of other American companies, we decided that, you know, we're going to move forward with the event um, and deliver Crown Jewel for all of our fans in Saudi Arabia and around the world. At the All Women's Pay-Per-View W Evolution, airing live on the WWE Network, Michael Cole from the broadcast booth read an ad for W Crown Jewel. As he sat with Beth Phoenix on one side and Renee Young on the other, as the crowd booed. WWE Network is actually this coming Friday. If you're watching on the East Coast, it happens at 12 noon. The kickoff show will be at 11 a.m. and it is WWE Crown Jewel. And uh, for the first time... Three days before Crown Jewel, TMZ found Linda McMahon at the airport. Linda McMahon at the time was the head of the Small Business Administration, a cabinet-level position in the White House. She is the former president of WWE and, of course, the wife of CEO... Vince McMahon. Linda McMahon declined to answer any questions related to WWE's event in Saudi Arabia. Linda, how are you doing today? Hey, WWE, they're, they're still going forward with this the Saudi Arabia event. What do you what do you think about it? Is it like if you want to talk WWE, you're talking to the wrong McMahon? Talking to the wrong McMahon, but it's a fam- it's a family business, so you know. I mean, but I don't run it, and I'm not responsible for it. So yeah, all right. So you got to talk to Vince. Got to talk to Vince. Yep. But do you think? Um, 
you know, at this at this time, you know, obviously you're you're not involved with what's going on. Some wrestlers like John Cena, or he's, I, apparently he's not going because. I'm so sorry. We're turning to a flight. Welcome to the grandeur, the magnificence. Welcome to the history making, first ever WWE Crown Jewel. And now, WWE Network presents Crown Jewel. Tonight we determine a new Universal Champion. Tonight we see if the WWE Champion's nearly year-long reign will continue. Tonight we determine the best in the world. You are looking live at a sold-out Kingsaw University Stadium as we welcome you to WWE Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel on November 2nd went on as scheduled. The broadcast itself made no mention of the country that the event was taking place in. Similarly, W's promotion for its event on June 7th back in Jeddah makes no mention of the country that event is taking place in. Unlike the Greatest Royal Rumble in April, at Crown Jewel there were no videos promoting the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and there were no angles like the one involving the Davari brothers that used political tensions to get responses from the crowd. Renee Young was the only woman who appeared on the program, as she worked as a commentator. A little over two weeks later, it was reported that the CIA concluded Mohammed bin Salman ordered the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. This clip is from CBS News. Now to the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. The CIA is expected to wrap up its official report on his murder this week. The agency has concluded Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman ordered the journalist killing last month. Critics are slamming President Trump for not taking a harder stance on the kingdom following Khashoggi's murder in Turkey. In WWE's full year 2018 financial reporting, the company reported record revenue and record profit. On the earnings conference call in February, Vince McMahon celebrated the news. Good morning, everyone. Uh, for the year, we achieved record revenue uh, and, uh, and profit as well, demonstrating we continue to effectively execute our strategy. In other words, we know what we're doing. Because of a major event in Australia also taking place in Q4, along with Crown Jewel, it's difficult to extract just how much money WE received related to Crown Jewel. As I said at the top, I'd estimate it to be around $25 million. Now in the second year of a 10-year deal between WWE and the Saudi government, WWE runs a show entitled Super Showdown in Jeddah on June 7th, this Friday. It's likely this event is worth tens of millions of dollars to WWE as well. Like Crown Jewel, Daniel Bryan will not be appearing because of his ethnicity. Sami Zayn will not be appearing. Kevin Owens also refused to do the show. No female wrestlers will be appearing. And there's no sign John Cena will be appearing either. According to a report in Sky News, three moderate Islamic scholars will be executed by the Saudi government following Ramadan, which ends on Tuesday. I'm Brandon Thurston. You've been listening to WrestleNomics Radio. You can find us online at WrestleNomics.com and on social media at WrestleNomics. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. 
Shop now at Hero.co.